Welcome to the Woo Woo Woman podcast. My name is Shelly and I'm your host. I'm a self-taught astrologer, modern mystic, yogic guide, and women's empowerment coach living in the South Florida area. This podcast was created with the intention to share the tools, people, and modalities that have continued to help me shift and heal to up-level my life in efforts to inspire and encourage you to do the same. Thank you so much for being with me. Hello and welcome to the Woo Woo Woman podcast. I am so stoked to have with me today, Dr. Michelle Wiener. She is somebody who's kind of been in my awareness in various different ways through all the things that I do. And I'm so excited to have her here today to share all these amazing things with regards to mindset and psychedelics and how it can really help improve your overall way of being in life. And we were just riffing for literally 30 minutes. And I love how when we start the podcast recording, we have to pretend like this is like the first time that we've been starting to talk. But there have been so many little topics that we touched on and her wealth of knowledge and awareness and what she's doing is really powerful and potent that I hope that each and every one of you can get something out of this. And thank you so much, Michelle, for making the time to be here to share your knowledge and all the good, good about psychedelics and maybe kind of shooing away all these little tidbits that people might have and mentalities that they might have about psychedelics and how they're used. And I would really love for you to give us a little bit of information with regards to how you ended up doing what you do and how it's helped so many people that you've come into contact with. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. And it's so nice to reconnect with you. Um, So I am an interventional pain management physician. one of the partners in a practice called Spine and Wellness Centers of America. And I really consider myself more, more of an integrative pain management physician now, as I've become much less interventional and really take a look at the whole person. And so when I treat chronic pain patients, it's not just where the tissue is damaged or where their pain is coming from, but a lot of times there's this overlap with mental health and chronic physical pain. Um, And so what I've seen over time is that if you don't treat the whole person, they're gonna still have pain. And so we call it the biopsychosocial model of pain, where you're actually looking at what's going on in the body, what's going on psychologically and in their social life. Um, So I have a few offices in South Florida and I first started off more interventional and I got very frustrated with doing procedures and injections that were all just kind of like band-aids and short-term pain management techniques. And Then I was also really frustrated with the opioid epidemic. And I saw that there were too many patients that were addicted to opioids and still having chronic pain. So cannabis became legal in 2016. And I started integrating that into my practice, started using cannabis as a substitute for a lot of pain medications and saw how they also started feeling better and sleeping better, their mood improved, they were taking less medications. And cannabis has this nice ability to alter our levels of consciousness. And so I realized that through non-ordinary states of consciousness, people are able to access deep trauma and other um, underlying issues that may be contributing to their chronic pain. And so I started getting um, more into the psychedelic space And the only legal sort of psychedelic is ketamine, which is technically a dissociative anesthetic. And it's been around since 1970. It's a medication they actually used in Vietnam War to help uh, people who are having pain and have them not really have that memory attached to how traumatic their event was and how severe their pain was. And, um, And so in my fellowship, I actually did ketamine infusions like over 10 years ago. Um, And we did it in a very different way where we were just treating pain and using ketamine as a medication, but we didn't really pay attention to the psychological mechanism behind what happens when we have an altered level of consciousness and we're able to kind of tap into some other insight. And so uh, through, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a way that 
that um, I treat people. It's like, how can you really understand what's going on if you don't really know who they are and about other things that pertain to their pain? Like, for example, sometimes people have a traumatic event that causes pain, but we're only looking at the physical pain as opposed to how they felt up until you know that moment that they had trauma or what their upbringing was like. So there's many factors that contribute to it, but right now we have a mental health crisis. We have a lot of uh, poor pharmaceuticals and, and a lot of research showing that you know serotonin isn't the cause of people's depression and that you know chronic stress and things that uh, cause neuronal atrophy in the brain are really the cause of chronic depression and also depression and PTSD and chronic pain really overlap. So the way I uh, approach a patient is really just to treat the whole person. And so that's why I really say it's more of an integrative pain management approach. I have um, medical students who rotate with me. I have palliative care fellows who rotate with me because I'm mainly using cannabis and ketamine. And these are two substances that are really new to the medical field and in, in terms of how we're using them now. And, and then I get to really personalize it in terms of the route of administration and the dose and the set and the setting and all those kind of things. So it's really this paradigm shift in, um, in medicine and we're really getting frustrated with some of the things that don't work and trying to find better solutions. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. And this is such like a huge leap for for like the medical industry as a nurse like peering in and having this different take on it that I think we all at our core sort of know that it's mind body spirit you know related but because the western idea of pain is definitely localized there there really hasn't been that arena or even that that way of even conceptualizing the possibilities of bringing in that sense of wholeness with somebody when it comes to pain and, you know, mental health, because I think mental health, I think we can all relate to some extent has affected us in some way, shape or form and being able to use and find alternatives that can help shift these altered states of consciousness, which I would love for you to touch on just because like you got that, that DR in front of your name is like, like, when we talk about ketamine and when we talk about psychedelics, I'm sure that each one has its own specific um, framework with regards to altered levels of consciousness. But can you talk about like the susceptibility of suggestion perhaps, or like what really goes on that allows us to be able to kind of step into a, a more um, holistic approach to caring for individuals? Yeah. So, um, so I think like, I think, first of all, I look at the brain as like this danger detector, right? So it's basically there to tell us, is something going to hurt us or not? And it's also there, you know, pain in a sense is there to protect us. It's, it's, it's something that is necessary, but a lot of times people who've had past trauma are not able to really listen to their body and believe, is this, is this a threat or is this not a threat? Mm. And so I think that, uh, what we're trying to do is put the person back into their body so that they're really able to listen to their body and understand that 100% of the time there's a there's a uh, therapist, a pain psychologist, and she always says the brain is attached to your body 100% of the time. And obviously we know there's a mind-body connection. Yeah. We know that from a lot of things like serotonin, most of it's made in our gut. You know, we understand that um, the, the food we eat can affect our mental health and uh, the fact that like the gut brain axis is so important in, in neuroinflammation and neuroinflammation plays a role in mental health and chronic pain. So, you know, the point is to really realize that like the mind and the body are connected and then understand that in order to move forward, sometimes people need this like catalyst to make the change. Like a lot of times talk therapy can be effective and mindfulness and exercise, all of these things can increase neuroplasticity. But when someone is stuck in a loop thinking of, you know, or ruminating about something of the past or very anxious, worried about, you know, fearful about what's going to happen in the future, they're not, they're kind of in that freeze state, right? So there's so many people who are in that fight or flight and then freeze. How do we get the person into the parasympathetic mode? so that they're able to 
connect with themselves in a deeper way. And I think that cannabis and psychedelics, it really has to do with a deeper connection, but it's, it's finding out what um, the therapist I work with, Shari, she always says, your, your highest, wisest self, right? So like your authentic self, how can you connect with your authentic self? Sometimes people need a medication to kind of put them into that state. However, when you give someone a psychedelic, you always have to pay attention to the preparation and the preparation starts prior to the medication session. And so we talk about like set, setting, dose and route of administration usually. The mindset is really important so that the person's able to relax and be in that moment. And also having a specific intention. Um, a lot of times we talk about limiting beliefs. So like something that you think about yourself that limits you, whether you feel powerless or you feel stuck in a situation. And it's good to have a specific intention going into the psychedelic experiences. The setting is really important where you're doing it so that you feel completely safe, that you can really let go and surrender into the moment. And then obviously the dose is, you know, something we can talk about in the route of administration. But the interesting thing with ketamine compared to the classic psychedelics, classic psychedelics are like psilocybin, LSD, mescaline. Those all work on the 5-HT2A receptors, one of 16 serotonin receptors. So it's known as our psychedelic receptor. And, and then there's MDMA, which is an empathogen. So it's similar in the sense that it does still stimulate that 5-HT2A, but you get an increase in oxytocin, which is like the love bonding trust hormone and uh, has a little bit of an amphetamine. Ketamine is a dissociative anesthetic. So it gives you pain relief while dissociating you, meaning mind and body are actually disconnected and you have more of an out of body experience. So the ketamine experience is usually done on a recliner, you have eye shades on, you're listening to a really nice relaxing playlist, there's no words, so you're not directed in any way. And it's what people feel most likely is that like their soul, the, the energy, their spirit kind of like drifts off and flies in the sky, like they're oftentimes like in the stars or underwater there's this huge concept of transcendence of time and space where they really have no idea how long has it been, where have I traveled to? And, um, and for many people, it's this disconnection so that they're out of their body or out of their mind, which is causing them either physical pain or anxiety or depression. And it's, it's, it's a relief for them. Like they're, they're able to feel calm or they're able to feel love, you know, and that just gives them this understanding that it is possible. And so many people are, are just um, very frustrated with the fact that they can't learn new things. They can't think differently. They can't feel differently. And they're so attached to their diagnosis. And that's really why I say treat the whole person, because instead of giving someone a diagnosis, you can give them an FDA approved drug, really try to understand more what the initial cause of all of this is, and then how things just kind of built over time and how we can unravel this this uh, framework that they have of themselves, which may not even be true. You know, there's a part of the brain that's called the default mode. And the default mode holds the story of who we are, like our personal narrative, it also holds our ego. So when you use psychedelics, your default mode is dampened so that your story of, of you know, who you are in your mind is no longer there so that your conscious mind is to the side, you're able to explore other you know, avenues and really understand that perhaps you could, you can think or feel different. And, and then we usually do multiple sessions of a psychedelic because we want to build on neuroplasticity. So we want to build on these new neural circuitries that exist in the brain, but you can't really access them without these medications. And then, you know, the, the whole framework goes along with doing psychedelics. We have to talk about, you know, are you moving your body? What are you eating? Are you doing yoga, breath work, meditation, all those wonderful things that also increase neuroplasticity. So it, it's really like, a, and it's a team, you know, experience. It's myself and a coach or myself and a, um, a therapist working with the patient. We call it the therapeutic alliance. The patient feels very supported and, and loved. And, and all of that is really necessary for people to have successful um, psychedelic experiences.
where do I sign up? Like, I haven't been like, I haven't been diagnosed with anything, but I'm just like, I want this experience. Like I've never done ketamine, but I really like, after hearing you talk about it, I'm like, I'm ready for it, but I have done ayahuasca and I've been open about this. I've done, you know, mushrooms and LSD micro dosing, and I've seen how powerful it's been for me and my spiritual growth my self-development, where I am, how creative I am with my business and partnerships and the whole nine. And like being able to, to really give somebody an experience that isn't just doing it at home and thinking that you're going to have like these, you know, epiphanies, which maybe you will, but the container in which you're discussing and that you're sharing seems to be so much more conducive to real authentic change and using substances, not recreationally, but really using them progressively in the form of like, okay, like let's regroup what we know about all these substances or psychedelics. And like, let's, let's put them in a container that also incorporates all of who we are and have the right facilitators in place to really initiate a true change. And I'm sure people probably experience huge changes, even just after one session. Can you share just like a little bit of like what that process might look like for somebody if they were coming in with like your team and like from start to finish a little bit of like what that might look like for somebody if they're interested in kind of venturing into this? Sure. So um, ketamine is technically, we use it technically for like many things off label. So it's, um, it is an anesthetic and it is indicated for treatment resistant depression. Um, but a lot of times, you know, someone else has PTSD or generalized anxiety or OCD, like, you know, there, there may be multiple conditions and we may still use ketamine. And that's kind of what we're learning about now. Like psilocybin um, is potentially indicated for treatment resistant depression, which means someone has failed multiple antidepressants, which really just are numbing people at this point. And um, MDMA looks like in the next two years, it'll be FDA approved for post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, so yeah, so with ketamine, you know, they're really looking more into depression um, and chronic pain, but there's also other studies going on. So really what I, what I do is I see the patient and then um, I just get a better understanding for who they are and what their home life looks like and what their struggles have been, what they've tried and failed. And then uh, if they have a therapist or not, I'll recommend my therapist, Sherry, to see them initially prior to their session. Sometimes they need you know, more therapy before they're even ready for the ketamine, because if we start ketamine and they have no tools and they, have, you know, they, they don't have any idea about uh, a daily practice or they have a lot of fear of um, altered levels of consciousness, sometimes we'll do a little bit more preparation. And other people don't want a therapist because they're there's a stigma behind therapists. So they, they like these psychedelic and integration coaches. And I have a few of those on my team. So I kind of paired them up with the right person. And then we discuss the route of administration. So I happen to like the intramuscular way of giving ketamine. I feel for my chronic pain patients, I usually do longer ketamine infusions with an IV, but that's because they're chronic pain patients. And that is kind of how the evidence has been. But lately I've been doing intramuscular and the reason is because it's more relational. Like I'll, I'll give them an injection in their arm of a low dose of ketamine, get them in their body so that they're able to access different parts of themselves. And it's like this expanded awareness where they're all of a sudden aware of certain things that they have never been aware of, but they're able to access parts of themselves or even past traumas and not have an emotional charge related to it. And, and so it's like, it's very interesting because you can reconsolidate a trauma or a memory during a psychedelic experience so that later on it doesn't cause you as much fear or you're not triggered by it in the same way. Um, so I like the intramuscular dose because after one injection, we come back in 15 minutes later and give you a second dose. And so it's like a 90 minute experience and it's, very personalized. So some people are able to tolerate higher doses. Others, we do more talk therapy during the ketamine session. We do like a hybrid model for a lot of different people. Sometimes we'll microdose someone with ketamine during therapy, get them ready for a higher dose. But 
I really, I really want to stress the fact that anyone who's getting ketamine should be in therapy or working with a coach. Like the actual medicine is just this catalyst to kind of open them up. We even say it's like a lubricant, you know, so that they start mm -hmm. talking, they feel comfortable. But in order to really like anchor this change in and so much insight comes up during these sessions, we, um, we really need to have follow up with a therapist or a coach after the ketamine sessions. Usually they'll do a session and then within 72 hours have a therapy session. And when we do ketamine, it's usually four to six sessions once a week. Uh, someone is like actively suicidal, we'll probably do it twice a week. Um, but it has to be done multiple times because you really want to build on the, the neuroplastic effects. And there's this window, you know, where someone is open and able to take what they've learned and put it into practice. And, integration is how things become durable, how it becomes long lasting. So if someone is just, you know, doing psychedelics and not really paying attention to their intention, their setting integration, that's kind of like the conversation of drugs versus medicine, you know, like, like, you know, it can be a drug, it can be a medicine. If we're using it as a medicine, then there's a whole framework that goes around with it. And also like, being feeling safe and the fact that ketamine is so safe it doesn't affect respiratory suppression it's um it, the main you know side effects are nausea and we give you something before to prevent that so there's all different ways of using it we also do group sessions where we'll get like four to six people together and then we'll do a group session where we have like a meditation and um some something to kind of like put them into their body initially and uh and then we'll have like the actual ketamine session afterwards, everyone will talk about what came up and it's nice to share in that space because like being vulnerable is difficult, but it really accelerates people's healing. And the fact that people are able to share and like get connected with themselves and do it with others is a very, um, you know, powerful, profound experience. Yeah. Community is everything. I've come to realize that it's like, even when you go to like a workout class and it's like, a couple people you're not as like driven to like get shit done right but like when you have a packed energized like workout room there's so much power that comes from that because you're going through something with somebody else and there's something about like being around a campfire and sharing that we've kind of veered away from but like the storytelling helps us you know like you said the mind is always like coming up with like a google database right so like as somebody's sharing you begin to kind of have this inner dialogue of like searching for like how that applied to you oh like that happened to me too like I can relate and that that relatability is so powerful especially in a container like this one but even just like on the most superficial layer like going to a workout class like you could feel the energetic difference and having that is probably everything when you do that I did um ayahuasca in a very similar container Although I probably would have done it a little bit differently um, myself, but when I do like microdosing here at home, you know, with mushrooms and LSD, like I have a whole day set up. Like I wake up, I meditate, I do a yoga practice, I do a little bit, I journal, and then I have, um, which I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with, Psych K sessions with my friend Andy, and also um, emotion code and hypnotherapy sessions, you know, planned out throughout throughout the day because I know that it's it's a whole it's a whole shebang, you know? And like we were talking about off, off before we started recording, like having that somatic dance and shaking it out. Like I do that all the time afterwards because it's like your, your awareness is there. Like you went through some stuff, you cleared some things, you worked through it. And now it's time to kind of like shake off that energy. And, and it's been so powerful for me in just the short period of time that I started this year in April to now it's, it's, it's profound. Yeah. Uh, the layers that come off that you didn't even know that you were packing, you know, it's, it's so powerful and giving somebody, you know, uh, something that can break through, I guess, like the egotistical barriers or the blockages that you have within the mind really sets the stage for somebody to really, you know, have all that meditation and all that other stuff, like drive home to a deeper level because there's none yeah. of that riffraff happening upstairs. Right. It's like, so it's like a disruptor, right? Because right. it's something that like 
I mean, the word actually psychedelic means mind manifesting or soul revealing, right? So I did not know that. Awesome. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's actually what it means. So like when you say it's a disruptor, it's disrupting your, you from your ordinary mind and your, and, and I think like a lot of times people attach themselves to these negative thoughts that they don't even realize are just a thought and they, they, it becomes part of who they are, but it, it's actually something that it may not even really be true. And so like when people are able to learn who they are and uh, a lot of it has to do with past trauma. So like there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. I love and, that book. I talk about it all the time. It's yeah, so good. Yeah. So I so I actually was trained at the Ketamine Training Center and the guy who wrote that book, Bessel Vanderkock, he was one of the facilitators. So wow. I actually did two ketamine sessions with him and his wife and his wife is like a, an amazing um, somatic healer. Oh, and yeah. like they, they, I mean, they taught us so many interesting things and like the biggest things that he actually did a study recently talking about self-capacity and self-compassion and how those are two of the most important qualities uh, dictating whether or not someone will be successful in like moving forward in their, you know, mental health journey. And, and that's really the understanding that at first, especially I see this a lot with people who have an addiction or um, people who are, who have been suffering for so long, they can't even be, ha find that compassion for themselves. So like, that's a lot of times the first step is just, is, is just like having them understand that, that like where they've gotten to, it's okay. And we have to really have them feel that love for themselves or, or feel some compassion for themselves. And then we work on gratitude and forgiveness and, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole process, but I, I think that like the body keeps the score is the best way of saying it, you know, like it comes down to like physical and also emotional. Like I've, I've actually done ketamine on someone, you know, where I see their physical body shaking and they were going through something and that's like energetically what happened. And then we can remove some of this from the body, but people really have to understand how like the mind and the body are connected. And that's really why when we say the body keeps the score it it doesn't have to just do with the physical body. You know, it has to do with a lot of how we're like, how we're talking to ourselves, how we're thinking. And, and so many, honestly, like, so the first time I ever had a ketamine session, the person, the physician told me, put your attention into your heart. And it was like this visual that I had in my mind, like put your attention into your heart. And I, I just like, remember thinking like, what does that even mean? You know? And my whole journey was filled with, just like hearts, like love, like it was the, the whole concept was just like, love is really the answer. Like as well, and, and, and I, I feel like, you know, there's so many people who are suffering who are either by themselves or, or have been isolated. And it's like, how do you, how do we measure consciousness? How do we measure love, right? Like these are things that are so abstract, but once you are in love or you do have love for your family, I have a tremendous amount of love for my team. You know, they support me so much. I support them. So in that sense, I'm so grateful, but it's really like talking to the person about what did bring you joy at one point, you know, maybe that has changed, but what can we do now at this age that will bring you joy? And, and it's just, you know, little baby steps, but it really takes them like it takes a team because they really need to know that someone does have their back and, you know, that they're not like on this journey alone. And, uh, and that's why like, I'll have coaches sit in the room with the patient so that they can, they can say things out loud. We can, you know, talk during the session, or they just know that someone's there in case they, you know, they just feel more safe that way. Yeah. Have you ever um, heard of the book? It did not start with you. No, that's a really powerful one. I think that if you like the body keeps score, I feel like this book would be really, really interesting to read, um, especially with like where you're going. And it's it talks about um, the scientific background with trauma and how it literally is inherited, whether or not you went through the trauma or not. And it gives you this really awesome take in perspective. And I believe um, they did do like some studies with psychedelics and mice and stuff. But I think that this would be like, really great information as a whole with the with all of this and um to kind of touch there's, do what there's, there's this um 
there's a woman named Rachel Yehuda, and she's actually looked at Holocaust um, yes. survivors. Yeah, and, and like, so she talks a lot about like epigenetics, intergenerational yes, that's trauma. What this Yes. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's, so, it's amazing because honestly, things come up from like people's past lives. They can't really understand where it comes from. But it, 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 you know, it's so difficult even as a physician to talk this way. But then when you actually see it, you know, when like like when you, I, I had a patient the other day who had no had suppressed something, a, a memory, you know, so deep that when it came up during the psychedelic experience, they had no idea that they had lived that, like they had suppressed it so much. And then I have others that really, they, you know, there's this concept of inter, intergenerational trauma and how things get passed down. And it's it's something that even if you don't see it and you don't remember it, it's part of who you are. So like, and there's a there's a concept called IFS. It's, um, it's, it's by Dick Schwartz and he talks about having different parts all related to yourself, self with like a capital S. And the fact that like we have to take care of each of our parts and we have to identify each of our parts and sometimes one part is not serving us and you know we have to like that's kind of what we do we look at uh it's called internal family systems we we really like look at each part of someone and and try to understand how all of those parts make up the self so you can't you know you can't access self without taking care of each of those parts and that's like to me that you know that's really an understanding of who the person is, is first of all, like I, I have a partner who loves me like very much and, I, and I'm very fortunate. And I always say it's because she loves all my parts, you know, like, yeah. like and, and I think it's, it's so powerful because it's, it's being seen and like all of who you are and still being okay with that. Even if I'm sometimes uncomfortable with like one of my parts, you know, let's say like, it's just nice to, to, um, it's nice to know that there's different parts to the self so that when you give someone that framework, then they understand, okay, I, I'm going to focus on this for this session right now. Right. Like, and that's kind of how we, we look at it is, is parts to the self. Yeah. I love that so much. I, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I was like, think about it. I was like, like your left tit, you're like one big boobs bigger than the other. And my husband's like, they're beautiful. Like not only I know, like, but like what came to mind was like your physical parts, right? But right. yeah, like the all parts of who you are. It's like I sometimes get really spicy. And he's like, Your Latina is showing, like, chill right. the fuck out. And I'm like, right. okay, okay. But he still loves me, but like that that is like a huge part of self too, right? It's like loving your all your parts accepting all of your parts and being able to do something that really brings that to to the awareness which is i think the biggest disconnect that most of us have in this day and age is like the separation of self and i just did a post on that today but also there is all also with what you said that i i took a note here to think of that to think rationally that there might be things inside of you that you may not know that you're carrying and looking at yourself from this broader perspective and having you know these experiences or um these mental things or these physical pains or whatever it is that's manifesting in the physical form knowing that the possibility of something within you is being carried that within the awareness of knowing that it's there it releases its power over you is really interesting to even think about because now more than ever i think the the unconscious mind is like at the forefront of so many different practices because of the importance because it's running 90% i think it is 90% of the show and when you're put in a container like this where you're i mean do you do like guided meditations to bring people to certain areas or do you kind of just like give it to them and you're there depending on where they go like I don't know like how that works or if maybe there's a little bit of both who knows well so it so it's really knowing the patient because you have to meet the patient where they're at and a lot of people have a stigma related to this obviously if they're coming to ketamine they probably have tried and failed different things or they don't want pharmaceuticals um but i like my team is very skilled in that sense that someone is able to like lead them in a meditation prior to going in that is appropriate for them you know, like if they're right. new to meditating and and like we do like a group Zoom um, every two weeks. That's basically the whole team. And then anyone who's in um, a ketamine session or who's had ketamine with us, we we do like an online like 
um, group Zoom so that people can ask questions. But we do a meditation and we talk about daily practice. And it's like a way for people to feel like this community, they could be on the screen or not on the screen, but it's just a way to know like there are other people that are going through this with you, listen to their questions. They share sometimes about their ketamine experiences. And, you know, community is, is, is huge when it comes to healing and physicians aren't used to that because we're used to just like putting a patient in the room and talking privately with them. And even like my office, it looks like completely different than a regular office. I mean, we have like rugs and beautiful things and essential oils and salt lamps and recliners, you know, like it, it doesn't look like a physician's office anymore because the the um, the setting is so important. Like I know when I did my ketamine session, I was in the Catskills and so much of the setting played into my actual ketamine session. And, and it, and that even more so made me like think about the setting and how I have to pay more attention to it because I'm in a physician's office, right? So I, th I think it's it's just a, it's a time when people are curious because I think they're frustrated with like the lack of solutions that we have right now. And I, I think, you know, I think they're just aware that what's happening and like, I, I think technology is playing a huge role into chronic stress and our understanding of why we've gotten here is starting to be like more exposed. And so yeah. the, the way like, you know, if everyone could take a moment to like slow down um, and just like be a little bit more aware of like where, why they're being reactive or, you know, my biggest thing was listening to my body. Like I know when I take on too much that it makes my mind and body feel a certain way that's really not gonna help me be as successful as I wanna be. I also know when I exercise, I feel so much better. So like there are certain things that you have to personalize. Someone else, you know, we say just meditate for three minutes. Like just, let's just do it consistently. And then now we'll go to five minutes. Now we'll go to 10 minutes, you know, but it's really like having someone check in with the person and then understanding what's going to be best for them. Like, it's not just everyone start meditating and journaling, like that doesn't work for everyone. So I guess like the whole thing about the coach helping the patient prior to the session and after the session, it has to be personalized. Like you really have to know the person and understand what would work for them and then try different things and see how it goes. And, and also like having someone there to close the session is really important because there is this window where they're able to you know, get all these downloads and different insight and having someone there to talk to about it. Journaling is great too. Um, but, you know, that all of this plays a role into it, which is just really putting more care into these experiences. It's just very different than Western medicine. It's a, it's a whole, a whole other way of practicing. Absolutely. And in my opinion, probably 10 times more successful in helping people out of whatever it is that they're experiencing. Do you have like some, some patients that you've seen go through something that's like really stick out to you that you can share little tidbits on? Yeah. I, I had a, I, so I, I work with um, Jillian Acosta and she's a dietitian. She's also a coach. She had sent me a patient who had very, very severe generalized anxiety, probably like not even 40 years old, young female, tiny, tiny, like 110 pounds. And she just had, you know, significant anxiety. Jillian was working with her. We obviously did the first intramuscular ketamine, very low dose. It's, it's supposed to be weight-based, but it really becomes personalized if someone has had or not had psychedelic experiences before, if they have a lot of fear, you know, the, the dose becomes personalized, but we started her with a very low dose and then someone's in the room with her. And then 15 minutes later, a second dose, she had a great experience. She came back the following week after speaking with Jillian again. And then she had a extremely powerful second ketamine experience. We went up a little bit in the dose and she was actually really hesitant about um, doing ketamine on this day because the following day she was taking a plane. Uh, she, was, she was going on a plane and she had significant anxiety about flying. So I said, well, you're going on the, the plane. You might as well come in. Let's see if we can work on some of this with ketamine. So she, she started really like screaming and crying during her ketamine session. And I had someone there with her who was Full body holding, chills. holding her hand and like, 
she was going through something, but not really sharing it at the time. And then at the end of the session, we were just like relaxing her, calming her down. And she actually fell asleep. When she woke up, she realized that she had been raped. And the day, the day before, so she had been raped. And that following day, she had taken a plane with what now is her husband. Okay. But she never told her husband that she was raped. And oh so she was God. holding this inside and this all came up during her ketamine session. So the relationship with going on a plane the next day, having her ketamine and being married to a man that she, you know, like that she had never shared this with, it was the biggest breakthrough for her. Like she, like she couldn't, she couldn't even realize that, she, that the rape was a big source of her anxiety. And the fact that her husband wasn't aware of this. So like these things become uncovered and also there's like a relationship with where, what's the source of this. And that's, that's really the difference. Like what is the underlying cause of someone's anxiety? It's not just like, let's manage it. But if you, if you know where it's coming from, so she had so much fear of flying and she realized that it was related to the fact that the following day after being raped, she was going on a plane. So now she associated that fear of flying with that experience. And that was like, I mean, that was, that was it. Like she did two ketamine sessions and, and like a whole, you know, transformed person. Her anxiety is now something that she doesn't really feel that she has. And she, re and she realized it was related to a specific thing. I, I have another woman who's, she's like so funny. She's probably like 70 years old. She's had chronic pain her whole life. She was born with a congenital spine um, defect and she's always had pain. She's in a wheelchair and we've done some ketamine infusions on her working on different coaching and different like techniques to get her a little bit into her body and understand more the fact that the periphery or the physical body isn't the source of her pain anymore, but it really lives in her central nervous system because she's had it for so long. And this is a woman who like, she comes in with her whole family and they're so supportive, but they don't really understand psychedelics that much. They're like, it's an older person and she has just totally like transformed who she is in the sense that she now is meditating. She'll send me all these text messages. Like I went to the beach today and normally I would go to the beach and think this may be the last time I'll see the waves. And now I went without my walker and, you know, I went food shopping and I didn't even park in the handicap spot. Like she tells me all these things. And even though she has the same physical reason to have pain, by actually getting into the fact that she's had so much, um, like it's almost like a learned behavior, right? Like she knows that she has pain. So there are certain things she doesn't do that then causes muscle spasms and guarding and a certain way that her body physically performs. And in her mind, she was so limited because she was like this victim to her pain. Like, that, like she, she just identified as someone who has chronic pain and can't do things. And now like we've really opened her up to having this concept that you are not your pain. And I think that's really what psychedelics do. It's like, it's like this lens that becomes open, like a broad, like it broadens a lens to say, you can change the perspective on how you look at yourself, even though you're in the same body, but you can change the way you're thinking about your pain. You don't have to be your pain, you know? And so it's like separating that. And she, like, she's just like a whole new, like her, her sisters don't even understand what has happened to her. They're not used to this. She's meditating. She joins our group Zooms. She, she writes me like beautiful things of all the activities she's participating in that she never would think she would. And she realized with just years of being told you have this problem, you were born with this and you're always going to have pain. And imagine like our words matter, like a physician telling you, you, th this is it for the rest of your life and there's no hope. Like, how does that play into your mind and your central nervous system? So it's, it's like amazing watching these people understand like the, the underlying source. Cause the goal is really to get them to connect with themselves in a way that they understand what is the etiology behind whatever mental health or chronic pain condition they may have and see if it could be cured as opposed to just kind of band-aids, you know? So it, it is really like a very rewarding, it's, it's difficult. It's a lot of work, you know, managing people in all levels of consciousness. There's yeah. a lot that goes into that, you know, and a lot that comes up.
and it's not all beautiful. And a lot of it, you know, sometimes is difficult and they have to, and you have to do the work. Like it's not just take the medicine, it's take the medicine, do the work, prepare, and then integrate it into your life. Absolutely. I'm like listening to these stories. I'm like, these should be lifetime movies. Like <laughs> this woman I'm so, telling you. That like, is like, this is so good. Like you need to, like for whatever you're doing, like have clippets of this is like your, your promo because I'm like, literally like, tell me more stories. I want to hear this. Like seeing people like surpass what they thought, like their identity was their, you know, their self-limiting, limiting beliefs, everything that we've been talking about being able to like, literally pull somebody out of the muck and like shake them up and like give them a whole new perspective on their life. That's richer. That's fuller. That's like, you know, more peaceful with that, like that knowledge, like this needs to be in our water instead of fluoride. <laughs> well, yes and no. And then no, and true, true, true. I, know, but I, <laughs> but I say that also because, you know, there's this whole movement of like psychedelics for wellness. Right. And there is like a fine line. It's the same thing with cannabis. You know, it's like in the right hands, it can be transformative and in the wrong hands and in the wrong set and setting with the wrong dose like it can be very dangerous so there's a lot of education that goes around talking about you know psychedelics but yeah I, i i believe like ketamine is so safe in the sense that you can add it to a antidepressant and there's not going to be an issue there like there's not much drug interactions but it's it's really like you know it's the whole thing it's the set setting dose and you know, absolutely. One last question before we close here. When, when somebody goes through this session, are they able to like go in their car, drive, go home? Or is it like a bit of a process? To, yeah, to- like after we're like, nobody drives home from ketamine session. So like the, the biggest things are not to eat for a few hours before, and then you shouldn't drive for 12 hours because you're reacting reaction time's a little bit off and most people are just like in a very relaxed state and very comfortable it's not and and also you have this neuroplastic window where you don't want to just like rush back into like you know a toxic situation or going back to work or something that's stressful that's going to like shut that down so it's it's um it usually you'll have a ride home or you know sometimes people will uber home I guess. yeah that's what i was thinking i'm like i'm ready for this and I would love to work with you in a container in some way, shape or form that can facilitate this because I I mean, I haven't done ketamine, but I will. And I'll talk about that. We'll, we'll set up an appointment at some point, but it really is about the way in which you do anything, right? It's like, we're taking this ketamine and we're putting it in, in a container of like using it to facilitate true healing, right? But I think that we could take whatever we discussed here and and put it in almost everything that we do. It's like, what are you what are you subscribing to with your mentality, with your identity, and maybe things that you obviously make you don't know that are still kind of lingering in the background of your subconscious mind, and how can you facilitate a a, a space and time that will help you learn more about who you are and are you choosing to go there or are you still choosing to subscribe to that old way of being that old way of thinking and taking your life almost as if you're taking ketamine and looking at it and being like oh like I was always wondering about psychedelics and blah 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 blah. but like looking at your own life and saying having that same curiosity right like where have I been, you know, functioning from a default perspective from an autopilot perspective and even taking it like without even having to take ketamine, start looking at the different things and the habits that you do do now and ask yourself where they stem from. Like, where did it start? Why is my reaction towards this, the same reaction every single time? Like what's there? Go deeper, maybe on like more of a conscious level. And then when you're ready to kind of step into a deeper container, you know, ketamine is here. And I mean, I, I hundred, like, I don't know if I would do it with anybody else, but I think that I would definitely do it with what you guys have going on over at your place because it's like the full shebang. Um, and I, I, you know, me and I'm all about that, you know, like I want to make sure that things are in place from start to finish and the experience being a pleasant one, you know, where like the, a lot of the fears that somebody might step into doing this 
are are alleviated. Right. Yeah. I think I think when people are accessing different parts of themselves and connecting on a deeper level with themselves, I think if they're not feeling like they could fully trust and let go, they're not going to be able to access that deepest part. And I, and I really do believe like this is all related to connection, you know, like how can you connect with someone else when you haven't connected deeper to yourself? Or how do you even know what you want when you don't even really know who you are? And I'm actually an identical twin. And it's really funny because my sister and I, being the fact that we're twins, we're, we're very similar, but as we've aged, we're also very different. Like we, there's a lot of things that I like that maybe she doesn't like, or there's a, there's ways that like I've connected with myself that, you know, I want to pursue something that she wouldn't. So it really is very personalized. And I think that if we're able to help people connect with themselves, even with cannabis, someone can use cannabis and immediately like change their perspective or just, you know, understand like themselves in a deeper way. And I, I think a lot can happen during altered levels of consciousness, but that's why it has to be done in a safe container. And, um, and there has to be integration so that you can integrate these insights into your everyday life. And it goes along with the daily practice that has to be personalized for the person. So like anything is possible, you know, and I think our brain is very um, flexible. And a lot of times we have this like rigid mentality. This is who we are. This is the way we do things. You give someone a psychedelic, it disrupts that a little bit and they realize, wow, I could create a new pathway. Like I could actually feel different. And if I continue practicing this, I can really change my life. Like there's a, a Netflix and there's a book by Michael Pollan. Um, what, what's the book? Change your mind, how to change your mind, how to change your mind. And, um, and, and it's great. It goes through all the different psychedelics and what, how they are different. And that's the other thing they shouldn't all be like, you know, lumped together like psilocybin it's a six hour journey ketamine it could be 60 minutes like the 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 um onset the duration the bioavailability whether you do like a ketamine lozenge or you do intramuscular there's so much that that varies which is why the person really has to feel comfortable even with the facilitator with the physician with the setting and whatever comes up, comes up. We can't really like control that. I have people who during their ketamine sessions are trying to control that. And it's, it's just, you know, they're changing the music. I don't like this song. I'm like, you're, you're, you're taking yourself out from where you could potentially go because you can't let go. And those are the people that we have to start slower and do lower doses and maybe microdose during therapy. So, you know, it becomes, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Also for addiction, we use it a lot for addiction as a method of harm reduction, but also just a method of understanding where their pain came from and, and how they can cope in other ways. I love this so much. It really like lifts the veil and thank you for lifting the veil on psychedelics and giving us a different perspective because I think, I mean, probably it's a little bit different now because it's a little bit more acceptable, but I think for a long time, there was kind of this misconception on why people use them and you really helped bring forth like the benefits that can truly be within these substances for our mindset, for our lives, for our emotions and using them in such a way to really empower us and give us our power back instead of really giving our power to traumas, to pains, to identity identities that we've developed and ego and all of that and really setting the stage and, and shedding light on a topic that I think is going to continue to grow and evolve and people are going to be even more exploratory on it when they feel and experience the benefits so thank you so much for sharing and I was truly on the edge of my seat when you were telling the stories I feel like you need to like you need to do something with that because I was like sign me up <laughs> and thank you for being so progressive to have this conversation oh yeah um, educating everyone yeah I think I think we need to like really set the stage for people to understand that there's other ways to go about things instead of the conventional ways and as you said like even with some of my clients they're like I mean I've been doing this and this and this and I went to the doctor and it's just like not working and I'm like because it's a band-aid which to some extent is useful to get you into a different space, but it's not the end all be all. It's like 
this is like the pill that's going to make you feel less depressed, but you still got to work on the real root cause of that depression. In the meantime, you got to do the combo. Like you have to do the work. And a lot of people are really, you know, wanting that magic pill for everything. And it's, it's really not always the case, you know, it's a priming, it's a integration. It is, you know, establishing new connections through action. It's not just thinking the affirmation and thinking it's going to come from the sky. It's like taking action towards that goal or taking action towards feeling better towards doing all these different things. And I appreciate, um, your insight and we'll talk after, but I'm, I would love to set up. I would probably have to need a weekend away from the kids. So that way I don't, <laughs> don't step into craziness right away, but I would love to experience this and, maybe even recorded for everyone listening. And then we can kind of like go and be truly raw and authentic with the experience. I mean, I'm sure people have done that, but I don't, I don't know. I think, I think being able to really kind of peer in on a, on an experience will really be powerful for other people to, to listen to. Well, and, and also just like informing people that they don't have to go to like Peru or Jamaica or whatever to do a ayahuasca retreat. Like ketamine is, you know, not a classic psychedelic, but it really can give you a very similar type of um, outcome as some of these other classic psychedelics, which are all still a schedule one drug in the United States. So like there are good options here, honestly, it's, it's just, um, it's just a lot of preparation. And, and when you say doing the work, it's not just like going through the steps passively and like doing the things, it's like feeling connected to the things that you're actually participating in. So right. that it becomes more of a, a lifestyle. Yeah. Can I ask one more question that just popped in? Is chem ketamine a derivative of something natural or is it like man-made? Sorry. I, That's a good question. Ketamine is a derivative of PCP. Oh. PCP is. So, so yeah, so that's, uh, ketamine was discovered in, I think like 1936 and um, no, LSD was discovered in 1936. Ket so ketamine was since like the 60s um, and it's an NMDA receptor blocker which is basically what glutamate works on. So glutamate is an excitatory neurotransmitter different than serotonin and it also increases something called brain derived neurotropic factor which is what increases neuroplasticity like fertilizer for your brain. So it's, it's glutamate not serotonin and the NMDA receptors are located in the hippocampus, the amygdala, part of the spine that's controlled for pain. So um, very different than the classic psychedelics, which just are serotonin. But yeah, it, it was discovered from PCP. Interesting. I'm glad I asked that question because it just popped in. I was like, oh, like, I wonder. I wonder if it's something that was like made or natural. I love it. Also Nature's amazing. Nature's amazing. <laughs> love it so much. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to see how we will work together in the future because I'm I'm ready in very various different ways <laughs> to, to, to dive into this. So um, if you want to connect with Michelle, all of the links are in the show notes. Um, and I don't are you having any events coming up like group events or is it typically for your clients that you do the group events for? How does that work? We have, there's actually a really big psychedelic conference called Microdose in November. I think it's like the fourth and fifth in 2022. So Microdose is a really big psychedelic event. We do sometimes uh, group events and experiences at places like the Sacred Space in Miami. And um, I'm always like doing some form of education. Um, but yeah, like I'm part of a... Um, nonprofit called Mr. Psychedelic Law, where we're trying to uh, inform people about psilocybin mushrooms and do more of like a understanding about the research behind it. And so we do events at Soho House where we educate people on different psychedelics. So there's lots of different things. Um, I'm also involved in a uh, psychedelic fund called Eater Investments, where We've actually raised $20 million and we what? have given this to different companies in the biotech. And because what's happening is that they're taking these psychedelics and they're called new chemical entities. So they're kind of changing a little bit of the psilocybin, let's say, or they're changing, you know, the duration of how long it will last and they're studying it for specific conditions. 
so that it can get FDA approval. So there's a lot of research going on. MAPS is the biggest organization, multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies, raised billions of dollars, doing lots of good research. I did a fibromyalgia ketamine study. So, you know, there's, there's a lot going on these days and there's always something double blind is a good uh, resource for people to look at and um, psychedelics today. So there's a lot online that people can also take a look at. I love that. Thank you so, so much. You're welcome. Thank you. You left me like craving more. <laughs> well, I look forward to working with you and doing ketamine for you. <laughs> yes, please. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Well, thank you all so much for being with us and we will touch base again next week. Thank you again.